On this edition of the Marcus Wall Show, swirling winds lead to super results as we talk about the winds of change in the world of sports, Olympic strides from the Far East, a golf update from Pebble Beach, NFL happenings, Super Bowl picks and analysis, plus the NBA at the trade deadline, college and local hoops, and upcoming low country events. All this and more today on the Marcus Wall Show with Kevin and I, starting right now. Clear the mechanism. High school sports can have 100 games on any given night, and that's 500 officials. Make the right call. Become a high school official. Be the difference maker in your community that your community needs. Visit highschoolofficials.com for more information. Welcome on in to the Marcus Wall Show here on this Saturday before the Super Bowl. Hard to believe that uh, we are into February and... Past Groundhog Day and Super Bowl Sunday, just hours uh, away. And act, well, it's a little over hours away, being that it's next week. Pro Bowl is tomorrow um, on ESPN for anybody that wants to tune into that. Uh, Marcus Walsh alongside here from the Bat Cave. And we are hours away from Super Bowl Sunday. Kevin and I are going to be talking a lot about that and other NFL happenings coming up. Here in just a little while, a lot of stuff to get to on the show today. Going to start with a new segment to the monologue, um, which will be interesting. I, I do my picks for the college football season and certain picks for the NFL season, particularly in the playoffs when it comes to uh, just my prognostication of things on, on social media. And I picked out some college basketball games today that uh, I've had a little bit of an eye on, but certainly that I think are very intriguing. So I'll be talking about them, but wanted to update you guys on my, my picks for the season. Actually, pretty pretty impressive uh, in, in terms of that compared to how I usually do. Uh, 130 and 88 in my football picks so far on the season that, of course, Again, encompasses college football and select NFL games, primarily the playoffs. Got the big game next week between the L.A. Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. And so Kevin and I will be picking that and giving some analysis as the show continues. Going to start off, though, with my college basketball picks for the day. And uh, pretty intriguing games that I have listed so far for this this day, and we're getting closer and closer to March Madness. I uh, a couple of these games are over. I had uh, Villanova over UConn, Illinois over Indiana. Those were noon games on Fox and ESPN, respectively. Currently going on at CBS. I like Tennessee over South Carolina. 2 p.m. on. Uh, ESPN, Texas Tech, boy, the Red Raiders playing some outstanding basketball under head coach Mark Adams. Like them over West Virginia. 2.30 on Fox, Purdue over Michigan. You talk about Purdue under Matt Painter, one of the best teams, not just in the Big Ten, but in the entire country, playing great basketball. Have some big stars, huge Big 12 tilt. 4 p.m. ESPN, ESPN, Kansas and Baylor. Boy, Kansas got thumped 
by Kentucky in their matchup last week at Allen Fieldhouse. I don't expect Kansas to go back home to the fog and lose again. I like Kansas over Baylor in a top 10 tilt between number 8 Baylor and number 10 Kansas. And then the team in between those two is Duke. They've got the huge matchup with North Carolina at Chapel Hill. It'll be the last regular season matchup and most likely the last matchup that Mike Krzyzewski has there at Chapel Hill. I like Duke over UNC. Duke with a lot of young guys playing very solid basketball and really looking to even improve from there. This is a big test for them, being that they're taking on a team that has just a few losses more than they do. Duke only with three losses on the year, and uh, UNC with six at the moment. Looks like both these teams are back and action-packed, ready to roll. Tonight, it's going to be awesome. Game day was there today. Going to be a great environment for sure. Duke and North Carolina. Uh, Texas Tech's got some great athletes, as does Tennessee. Illinois with uh, Kofi and uh, just tremendous ball there. Very solid Villanova team going up against a pretty good UConn team earlier today as well. And then I like Kentucky at 8 p.m. on ESPN over Alabama. Kentucky looking to figure everything out. Alabama got off to a hot start this year, but really has struggled down the stretch here over the last couple of weeks. Going to be fun in the SEC at 8 o'clock tonight. So that's the way it's looking for each of those seg- uh, each of those sets of prognostications with college football and the college basketball picks for the day. Big game between Ohio State and Maryland tomorrow on CBS at, uh, I believe it's 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Leading into a golf update from Pebble Beach, one of the great scenes in all of golf. And uh, right now, Seamus Power from Ireland is really playing great golf. Patrick Cantlay was in second at last check, but Seamus Power really delivering the goods so far on this day and uh, and during this week in in this tournament, the Pro-Am at Pebble Beach. Great to see the celebs back and, and doing their thing as well. Got to see a little bit of Bill Murray, Alfonso Ribeiro doing his thing with the Carlton dance. Um, a lot of just really good com- uh, competitors, certainly on the tour, but also those competing for charity as part of the Pro-Am. And I'm still waiting for my leaderboard to uh, to come up here. NBC with uh, coordination with the Golf Channel, the early coverage, and CBS calling the action here this afternoon and tomorrow afternoon as well. Jim Nance, Nick Faldo, and company. There we go. Patrick Cantlay off to a... Uh, Tied for fifth start. Seamus Power at 16 under heading into the day. Just playing tremendous golf, as I had said. Really doing a fine job with the, with the short game as well. Big key, Jordan Spieth. Can he get things going off of what last week was a bizarre week for him 
and the fact that he was battling illness, was battling a, a bacterial or viral stomach bug and uh, actually had to go to the hospital to get things looked at, but was good enough to, to give it a shot, and, uh, and he ended up doing okay, but he's back, and he seems to be at good form. He's got to do a little bit better on the greens, though, to try to have a chance to get back towards the front of the leaderboard. Um, mentioned power, Svensson tied for second with uh, Putnam, tell you tom hoagie get tom hoagie a hoagie he is playing great golf also tied for second uh, a little bit down the stretch but doing a great job on the course this week and over the last couple of weeks thanks to a change in his swing is jason day uh troy Merritt tied for eighth and uh matthew fitzpatrick in the top 20 justin rose tied for 24th This uh, courtesy of PGATour.com. And and so just some great golf, great setting, beautiful days in the West Coast over there at Pebble Beach where the the breezes are blowing and everything's great with the sun out. Again, getting everybody back on, on the course. An interesting celeb that I happened to see on the course yesterday was Clay Walker, the country music singer. And he uh, ended up having a couple of shots that looked pretty good from from the vantage point of being a celeb and an amateur. But he's been playing for quite some time as well. It's just fun to see those guys. Chris Berman had been playing in this event for years. And uh, certainly fun to see all of that. Speaking of swirling winds, congratulations going out to Dartmouth, and their equestrian program was out at Auburn last weekend, and uh, what a beautiful campus. If, if you've never had a chance to be in that part of the country, I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful, beautiful, wide-open campus, um, a lot of beautiful, big buildings, and uh, certainly some, some vacant spaces with just a few trees, very, very much the country feel. I was talking to a couple of people about just being on that campus last weekend, and it was like going back to Ashland University for me where I went to college. It's Ashland University on steroids is what Auburn University is. And Auburn did a great job battling in the NCEA, the National Collegiate Equestrian Association, their first tournament there, um, and certainly did a very good job competing on a very chilly day, the sun was out, which certainly made it feel pretty good. But uh, it was breezy. It was blustery. It was in the 30s, but being very desolate where we were there on the uh, equestrian site for the Auburn campus. Very chilly, hence part of the title of today's episode with the swirling winds leading to super results. A lot of things going on. With, uh, with Dartmouth upcoming, and certainly based the, uh, that my sister-in-law, Tenley, is the head coach of the program and, and whatnot, certainly we'll talk about that uh, some more as time goes on. But a lot of swirling changes in all of the stuff that I alluded to in the open, and certainly uh, some swirling changes as well in some upcoming events, which Kevin and I will get into as far as the Low Country is concerned. Lots of great coverage coming up from uh, 
the high school basketball games that we will have for you this week on WHHI Sports. And uh, a lot of swirling winds. It's actually feeling pretty dang nice right now in the 50s with a little bit of a swirling breeze, but the sunshine always helps as we get closer and closer to the start of spring. The times are a-changing, the winds are a-swirling, and, uh, and we'll see what happens on down the line. We're talking about all of the swirling winds and changes in the world of sports as uh, from Olympics to our Super Bowl picks and, uh, and beyond. All of it straight ahead as we go to segment two with Kevin and I from the Batcave next. All of us love sports, but not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. South Carolina High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the South Carolina High School League and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. Welcome back into the Marcus Wall Show on this Saturday, a week before the Super Bowl. As I corrected myself on the monologue, I will correct myself again. We're eight days prior to the Super Bowl. The swirling winds of change is what we're talking about in the world of sports today. Kevin joins me here from the Batcave. Welcome aboard, my friend, and uh, another beautiful day here in the old country. Marcus, happy to be with you always, my guy. Tell you what. We uh we have some great stuff to talk about in the next few segments and uh, great basketball we are anticipating on on a Tuesday night as we're going to be at Hilton Head Prep seeing Buford Academy girls and guys take on Hilton Head Prep girls and guys and uh, a lot of athletes we we talk about the athletes and just how great they are in terms of their ability to be multifaceted, both, you know, on the floor and off, or on the field and off. Um, some great athletes to look out for in a, in these games on Tuesday night. These, both sides, boys and girls, they're winners. And so we'll see teams that are winners in midseason form getting ready for the playoffs. Got a lot of great stars to look out for. Certainly on the side of Hilton Head Prep, we'll uh, go with the girls first. With Hilton Head Prep, and I've seen some of these girls for four years calling games, um, certainly the, the starting five of Ella Clark, Courtney Campbell, Katie Campbell, Haley Hopman, and Annie Braun. I'm familiar with Clark, uh, Hopman, and Braun, especially uh, in, in previous years. I believe the Campbell duo has been coming off the bench. But those, those three that I mentioned first, you know, have been working their way up, doing a great job. Very, uh, very good shooters, and uh, certainly defense is going to be paramount in this in this matchup with Buford Academy. Looking at some of the stars 
that the girls have on that side, talking about Talia Hayward and Michaela Washington, who just surpassed the 1,000-point mark for her career. And, uh, and Hayward's a do-it-all player on offense and defense. Looks like everything's going to really go through those two. Um, Mary Hannah Hire is certainly somebody to watch out for as well. But uh, it's going to be going to be fun to see which side prevails in a matchup from a very iconic venue. You told me Ella Clark is someone I need to look out for. Why do you like her, and what should I be looking out for? Ella Clark. So I'm going to keep saying it with the accent. The Clark sisters, her uh, her sister Kirsten from a couple years back, are known for being extremely good. You, you see Ella Clark there uh, being the point guard. They're very good, you know, leaders in, in terms of having that ability to dictate the offense, defense as well, but particularly the offense, bringing the, the ball up the floor. Um, they, they have nice strokes, so that, that for sure, but, but for me, based off that guard position, in particularly at the point guard position, talking about Ella, very good leader and uh, very good fali- um, facilitator. That was the word I was looking for in, in terms of leading the offense for Hilton Head Prep. Hopman and Braun are very good uh, shooting the basketball as well. Haley Majors coming off the bench, Avery Brothers as well. Abby Mendoza, familiar with. These are just really good athletes, and and they're being coached um, by Philip Hartman, who's in his first year with uh, Hilton Head Prep and has had some coaching experience and is certainly learning some some things about these girls. It's going to be going to be interesting to see a lot of the talent that uh, these girls have to offer on Tuesday night. Phil Hartman. No, not that Phil Hartman. Not it's it's Philip Hartman. Not to be confused with Phil. Yes. <laughs> on the Simpsons that would be like a Troy McClure. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such games being coached as Philip Hartman. Not Phil Hartman. Hilton Head Prep Girls. 13 and 6, they look good. 8 seniors. So he inherited the culture when you have 8 seniors. Yeah. You're inheriting a lot of what the attitude's going to be from your previous world. So, Philip Hartman, kudos to you to leading this team to a pretty solid 13-6. and six. However, look at who they got to beat coming up. Buford Academy's 14-5. and five. They beat Hilton Head Prep 43-41 in the first matchup back in January. Um, I expect another nail-biter for sure. I always bet on the team that lost last time because they're more hungry. But, you know, they're girls in their high school. Plus the fact it's a home game. That's reality, and, and if you have the crowd behind you, or if you have maybe some more pressure on you and you can't handle it, that's the fun thing about you never know what's going to happen until it happens. And have you ever been to Bacala Gymnasium, Coach Basirico Court? Oh, God, yeah. At prep. Yeah, it's a blast. It's a very fun environment. And the crowd's right on we'll, top of you. We'll be, the crowd's on top of you. We'll be on the stage um, right there behind the hoop. Uh so it's it's a very cool environment. Might get a little extra camera time, being the ball's going to be going back and forth. Yeah, like the, we're not hams enough. <laughs> but, but yeah, if your grandmother's in, you know, 15 feet of you, do you shoot the ball well for grandma, or are you nervous because grandma's watching? Either way, make the shot. 
That's that's right. Go get the thing. And um, so certainly from from the prep side of things, very very good stuff. Certainly want to thank, you know, uh, John Hopman, Philip Hartman, Eric Matheson, and then certainly on the uh, on the guy side for Hilton Head Prep. Jerry Faulkner, and Jerry's been at it for a long time. I had a chance to interview him last year with uh, Harrison Green and a couple of the other guys on the team, and that was just a blast hearing the words of wisdom. I think Kane Eanes was on that interview, maybe J.J. Hayes as well. Just hearing the words of wisdom from from one of the greats uh, in Jerry Faulkner, who's who's been at it a long, long time. Moving on to that guy's game again, Buford Academy, Hilton Head Prep, and Buford Academy ended up having a little bit of a tough go around that first matchup with uh, with Prep. It was a 63-43 to 43 final score. I have a feeling that we are going to see a little bit of a different result with, uh, with this guy's game coming up. Um, I'm looking at the girls' roster. <laughs> I think we're going to have a little bit of a different result coming up on uh, on Tuesday night. I just like, for Buford Academy, they got all these guys who are young and up and coming. Uh, we saw what the Marion Wilson did, the kid who was six foot six, just a freshman. Uh, but he had all, you know, the biggest kid in the court, and it seems like in this league it's going to be a lot of the time. Go get it. That was uh, January 14th that these four teams met. At Buford Academy, again, Buford Academy, the winner in the girls' game, 43-41. And Hilton Head Prep, the winner in the guys' game, 63-43. to um, I talked about, uh, you know, Ella Clark. The Campbells, their players to watch in the girls' game. Certainly have Michaela Washington and, uh, and a couple others to look out for in the girls' game on the side of Buford Academy. For the guys... It's it's gonna come down to Sully Gay, Braden Deneen for Buford Academy, and on the side for Hilton Head Prep. I mean, geez, they have so many great athletes. Kaneens has been dominating. They've got double double machines. Kaneens, Sean Cusano, uh, certainly J.J. Hayes. J.J. Hayes has one of the great shots that we see, you know, in and out. Uh, you know, day in, day out in terms of the low country and especially Skiza action. Um, Ryan McKeel or McKeel off the bench. Certainly, I mentioned a, uh, Eanes. A.J. Barger, former football player from the last season. Jason Britschke, same deal. Again, these guys, Thomas Dowling, Lonsell Daly, these guys have a chance to do really good things because they're super athletic, being that they play multiple sports, and, and for the girls' side, too. Um, highlighting some more of the Buford Academy stars, and I just have a feeling that they're going to be ready to, to compete, give it their all in, the, in this game on Tuesday. Jackson Porter, Ezekiel Gonzalez, Gavin Midyette, Timmy Horgan, big player to look out for. Braden Deneen, also a very good baseball player, I have found out, over the course of the week, in addition to his play at quarterback and then certainly on the basketball floor as well. Brandon Trapp, Sully Gay, Sully Gay I had mentioned. Um, 
a Marion Wilson, one of the big players to watch. Set the school record for points. He he did. And He's a freshman. I mean, look at up and down the rosters. The boys it's side. Boys side's a lot younger. And you talked about how this game this time is going to be different. What changes with younger teams? They, they really, as opposed to a senior team where you've probably learned as much basketball as you're going to learn unless you're having a transformative moment, your freshman becoming a sophomore and your sophomore becoming a junior, you're going to see bigger leaps, especially as you transition from JV to varsity basketball. I mean, look at the way Macy's kids playing as a freshman because they had to play up a level. Right. Marion Wilson, I would love to see a six foot six kid get on the court with some of these varsity level players. You're young, you got time. But it's fun to see the younger players dominate, which was something we've seen pretty consistently this year. Going back to the girls for a bit, I want to go away from this game momentarily and talk about a couple of girls that we haven't seen on the air, but thanks to our buddies at Loco Sports, Justin Jarrett and Wes Kerr for providing a plethora, a plethora of information. Um, We're able to see what some of these other girls are doing and I want to highlight, and I highlighted this team on Talk of the Town when I was on there on WHHI this week. I want to talk a little bit about John Paul II and their girls team. They're playing really, really hard. And Maddie Heathcott and, and company, but, but Maddie certainly has been playing really good basketball. Two of the last three games that she's played in um, leading into that interview that I did earlier this week, She's been a double-double machine, and we're going to see a lot of double-double action with the stars in the games that we have coming up on Tuesday. Um, Very impressive stuff for John Paul, the second out of South Carolina. As opposed (laughs) to the one that's... That's in Greenville in in North Carolina. Or the one that was in Italy for a long time. There, uh, yes, that that too. JP two coming at you from is that, is that considered Hattieville or is that Oakley? It's uh, Ridgeland. Ridgeland is, is where they're going to be located. Um, so congratulations, certainly to to Karen Floyd, JP two for playing as well as they are. Maddie Heathcott and company playing very very good basketball at the moment. And I had, I think I jotted down some of those numbers on uh, the copies of, of stuff that I gave you, actually, um, which actually is right here. JP2 um, girls, they're seven and six, four and two here in Skiza AA Region Four. Yeah, they're uh, they're playing well. They're they're playing hard and getting after it. And then on the guys' side, you know, we talk so much about the guys that we cover and. I say ad nauseum just the fact that they have so many athletes uh, with the fact that they play a lot of football and basketball. Who, who are some of the guys that, that you've been noticing just off the, off the radar that, that we haven't covered as much? Most I'm putting you on the spot. Well, it's not like I'm still a basketball official and I watch the kids through the, through the years. Um, a lot of what I'm saying is just what you're getting from Wes Kerr, and from our guy Justin Jarrett. Like, it's really nice to have local sports journalism, and that's a lot of what I consume. So when I'm talking about Marion Wilson, I'm talking about the way it was covered through Loco's eyes. Sound like a pretty special game. I get it if you're putting the ball up, and I'm talking about Marion Wilson, by the way, the freshman who set the school record for points coming off the bench. Six foot six, looking at the offensive rebounding numbers, it looks like the kid was there bouncing the ball off the backboard until he got a chance to get to go in. 
something like 18 offensive rebounds, but scored 41 points, I believe, school record. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I'm being able to take. It's not an under-the-radar thing because, again, it's what's out there for sports journalism locally. And, and I mean under-the-radar being, you know, off the off our grid, so to speak, away from what, what we are covering is what I'm alluding to. Like Bronny? Like LeBron James' son? The low, the low, the low, the low country teams, the low country teams that we're not calling games for. Oh sure, there's a lot of good schools out there. Whale Branch is a lot of fun. What you see up in Whale Branch is a lot more of that um, high flying basketball where they like to shoot the three, which I think is a lot more fun to watch. It's the it's the Warriors style where um, it's all about efficiency. As Larry Bird would say, if you dunk on me and I come down and hit a three on you, I'm up. Brandon Morris, uh, Brandon Morris, I, I'm sorry, Brandon Howard for Thomas Hayward Academy, another one. 23 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals. Uh, this again from Loco Sports, thanks to Wes and Justin for all the info. That was uh, a tough one, all of that coming from a loss against Hilton Head Prep and... Uh, Actually, uh, rather, that was against JP2. And then they lost to uh, Hilton Head Prep. I beg your pardon. Um, first first numbers were from Hilton Head Prep. And then uh, the JP2 numbers, 29 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals. Brandon Howard, a tremendous player all the way around. And uh, tremendous on the football field as well for THA. You've, you've heard me talk about that facility basic, uh, or theoretically for football in, in what I call their stadium environment, don't you? The or Re- haven't you heard that? Talk about the Rebels, where they actually have guys in uniform with guns, just like the Patriots games have the, uh, the Patriots. To, to me, that environment for football is a little tiny Bryant-Denny stadium, which mm. you see at Tuscaloosa. It reminds me so much of Bryant-Denny. It's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Um, so you get a little flavor of what's going on beyond the WHHI airwaves, but in addition, getting a preview of what we're going to see. And again, I think we're going to see four extremely well-coached teams by coaches with different personalities. I mean, Nick Field, the former AD over at, uh, Buford Academy is now the head coach of, of the guys and, and focusing solely on that. So that's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens uh, there. And then you've got a couple other young coaches in the mix with the four teams that we're going to see, and then the great Jerry Faulkner. So it's a, it's going to be a, a mix and menagerie of very good high school hoops coming up on Tuesday. I think we're going to see a couple of really good games. Moving on to some of the games that I had picked in college hoops for uh, – for the day, I had mentioned earlier those that I had picked in my uh, update. And I tell you what, some great finishes. 85-74, Villanova beat UConn, Illinois. Illinois is a dangerous team. They could be Final Four with uh, Kofi Cockburn and company. They trounced Indiana 74-57. Tennessee, huge win over South Carolina, 81-57. Auburn hangs on 
and they beat Georgia 74-72. And uh, as well, Texas Tech and West Virginia knotted up in a good one. Other games going on. What is your uh, game of the day today in college hoops? I like Michigan-Purdue. Right now they're it's a coming good into the second half. Uh, it's it's pretty exciting. It's the number four seed, and I'm not I'm not I like Michigan more than I should. It's actually the number four team in the country. It's not the seed. You're right. Forgive me. I'm already into my madness mode. Um, if you're the fourth team in the country, you're still a one seed. Yeah, it's uh it's impressive what Purdue's been doing for sure. Xavier, a top twenty five team, struggling a little bit at the outset. To me, the two games of the day. And, I mean, there are a lot of really good games, ranked versus ranked, ranked versus unranked, but high up there. You talk Duke-North Carolina, and then that top ten matchup between Kansas and Baylor at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, I tell you what, Kansas went in there against Kentucky at home last week, and they got their doors beat down on. They can't lose to Baylor at home. I don't think they're going to. Well, Kansas is where Paul Pierce went, so I've always tried to sneak in their game. I'll just like the coaching. Uh, I watch Kansas when they're on, but I like Baylor. I mean, Baylor is, has, at this point, you're still early enough in the season where the fact that they are a more well-groomed team probably matters. You know, Kansas is still developing. Baylor is almost a champion, trying to get back there. At number eight, a two-seed. Very impressive for sure. Um <clears throat> Kentucky and Alabama. Alabama's going through some stuff right now in terms of the product on the floor, but they're as as good as anybody in the SEC when they're on, but they are hosting a very good Kentucky team. UCLA with a huge win, or a lot of huge wins throughout the year, and uh, they end up having that tough game with Arizona the other day. They take on Arizona State. Right now, as I had talked about a few weeks ago, the Pac-12 is looking very, very good in terms of, you know, top seeding and uh, overall very good production in college hoops. That's going to be a fun one tonight on ESPN. UCLA led by Johnny Juzang and uh, a very good team, ASU. 6-13 and 13 on the year. Should go to UCLA pretty convincingly. Well, you never know. They're kids. College is a lot more fun because it's wide open, especially basketball. Arizona just knocked UCLA off the other night. So expect a big night for, uh, for the folks from Westwood <laughs> in, a, in a big game out in the Pac-12. Wisconsin's a top 15 team. LSU's cracked the top 25. Michigan State is in the top 15. And uh, so a lot of really good basketball to be had. And that's just today alone. Mm -hmm. Probably one of the sneakiest top seeds that we talk about is Gonzaga. They are getting so overlooked right now. And they still have a lot of great athletes, including Drew Timmy, the man with two first names, and uh, it's a very good team in Gonzaga still. I think they just want to get back to being known for their basketball. They're number two in the country right now. They're going to beat BYU tonight at 10 out in the West Coast. I think they're just happy to have people watch the game for basketball, not because John Stockton's not there. It's a very good point. So 
A lot of great hoops tomorrow. You got Providence, top 15 team. I mentioned Maryland, Ohio State. Uh, tomorrow, that's a 1 o'clock game. Houston is number six in the country. Man, the madness, the fever. You feeling it? It's coming. Hey, hey, hey Marcus, do you know do you know which college has the best corn dogs? Um, well, it's Providence, it's Providence College. Do you want to know why? It's the same joke I made before. They're the Friars. It's a French well, fry joke, except I right. made this time it's a corn dog. I don't like me for it either. It's just as satisfying as it was last time. No, no laughs. All that. Yeah, I'll take a patronizing one. Thanks. Libby out. Oh, goodness. The Friars, yeah. I love a good corn dog as much as the next guy. That's, that is for sure. Um, on to the NBA. And I saw a rumor. Rumor has it. That rumor. Coon- that could or could not happen. It's looking like the talks are swirling that James Harden's days in Brooklyn might be finished. Is Ben Simmons saying, rumor has it, I'm the one he's leaving you for? Well, rumor has it. Rumor has it. I I really think that that would be a big swirling wind uh, event. A big swirling... (laughs) A big swirling wind of change. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And... uh, Big event. (laughs) it It would certainly alter the power a little bit from from the east and west sides of things we know what simmons has done in philadelphia especially the last couple of years the answer is not much i i just think that maybe with the situation with kyrie as well that that this would definitely complicate things a little bit more for both teams if the uh if this trade would go down, both teams could be really, really good, but there's still a lot of ego and drama on both as well. I mean, some people still think that these are the two best teams in the East. Um, your thoughts? The Nets have a great roster. I don't know if they're going to figure it out. I watched Kyrie not compete in the playoffs in Boston. I don't think Durant deserves this. These are prime years for Durant. But, you know, the, the Bulls are great when they get healthy. And the Heat are still real. And the Bucks have Giannis. And if the Nets don't want to win, I mean, they're, they went from the top seed pretty clearly to now that they're six. Right, and right now the 76ers are at fifth. So they're kind of hovering around the first half of things. But looking at it this way... Five and six, that means you're starting on the road, which for the Nets might be okay because they'll get Kyrie to play. Um, but the Bulls, Heat, Cavs, and Bucks are your top four seeds, and the Cleveland Cavaliers just keep on winning. They've been so much fun. I mean, I, is it the Rondo? What's doing it to them? What's the special sauce? I think it's Kevin Love. Well, yeah, that's the reality of Kevin, the numbers. Kevin Love 
being healthy and happy and just content and playing his heart out. It's like when he first got to Cleveland with Kyrie and, and then it turned into the three of them with LeBron added in. Um, it's a, it's something else in the, the Cavs with the 102-101 win over Charlotte last night. It's uh it's very interesting to see how this East is shaping up. Reminds you of the days back when LeBron was there and Chicago was one of the top dogs and the Heat certainly even without him were hanging around. Obviously the Bucks with Giannis. My my pick at the beginning of the year was Bucks and Lakers. Um, it's it's looking now like who knows what might happen out east. I think the the west it's Warriors and Suns, but out east the plethora of menagerie is enormous. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen out east. The it's it's just too crazy. I mean, uh, I think Daryl Morey is a really good GM. I think the Nets are fine. I think the Sixers are fine. I think they're going to get this deal done at the end of the season. That's my guess. But it's crazy. It's trade deadline week. So you're going to hear a lot of crazy reports that will probably not be founded. And maybe one or two crazy things that usually happens a day or two before the deadline. But look out for those Woj bombs. You never know. And that that was what I had seen about... Harden and Simmons, a woge bomb last night as I was watching the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, which I will touch on here in a little bit. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff. What Outside of Harden and Simmons, what's, what's a move that you think might be made? I'm putting on your, uh, your woge hat. I don't know. Is Brad Beal happy? Is he going to stay? Is Dame someone you can get? Is Anthony Davis someone you could trade for? I tell you what. I think Anthony Davis is going to stick around. When he is healthy and on the money, he turns that Lakers team, say what you will about LeBron James, but Anthony Davis turns that Lakers team into a possible contender because he's looking right now to be when he's healthy in his prime. We all know that LeBron's on, you know, 17, getting ready to putt and then head over to 18. Holy cow. And I I just seen something that LeBron is saying that he still has maybe a, a slight hope to play with his son. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I could see the two of them making forces known somewhere, him with some ownership, and uh, maybe get get Bronny on a on a team. But he still has to figure out, you know, where and if he's going to college, and uh, and that type of thing too. A um, lot of lot of crazy stuff to talk about, for sure. Is Bronny a top prospect for the NBA? I. At at his current age, are you asking or? Yeah, I just is Bronny because I mean he's like still a, just in high school, but he reminds me so much of his dad. 
And we know what LeBron was like when he was come out of high school. I'm, I no, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to slight how amazing Bronny was. Excuse me, LeBron James, LBJ, coming out of high school, he was amazing. His games were on TV. I'm saying, is Bronny getting that kind of hype? Is he that level? Oh, from from what I've seen, you know, just on certain websites and ESPN's done a little bit with him. Um, he's he's very talented. He's got a really good shot. He can make some some moves. He's only getting taller as well as he continues to grow and fill out. He is, uh, I wasn't sure of the exact numbers that, that you're asking for, but you have some stuff up. Uh, let's see. Try to find something that's uh, well-sourced. Certainly. Oh, yeah, ESPN.com's got info. Got him listed as a Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, UCLA, all fine schools. He's got his offer for the uh, for the recruiting activity. If you got an offer from Kentucky, that's that's pretty good. And I knew I knew about Duke. Um, certainly, boy, if he was to go to Duke, huh, I'd be I'd be pretty happy with that. I would have to say. I'm a big Coach Cal guy. Cal Perry was uh, the head coach of the UMass Amherst Minutemen when I was a right. kid. I, you know, this is the Marcus Camby years. Uh, you will remember Marcus got jewels because we were paying players back then, just like they pay players now. But, uh, of course, it was a different time. Um, you know, I like seeing the perimeter ball that Cal usually runs, and that's, that's why I think they're the most fun team to watch. They went from 15 to 5 in two weeks, and that's before their you know, kid who's eligible is even uh, thinking about getting on the court. It's exciting. Very exciting for sure. When we come back, I will let you guys know of when they will pick those uh, top 16 seeds midway through the season for college basketball. Just pigging back just a second on the March Madness talk as we are closer and closer to the month of March. Um, a very, very important month in the Walsh household, for sure. A lot of birthdays in that month, including yours truly. Um, when, when were you born? June. June. Little uh, little March luck of the Irish and June is busting out all over, and luck of the Irish while while we're at it, being that we're two dark-haired, bearded, wearing glasses Irishmen. April showers bring May flowers, but do you know what May flowers bring? The June swoon. Well, I was gonna say pilgrims, but sure. Yes, indeed, that that too. The June swoon. Uh just was. Pulling on the alliteration. I like it. I'm gonna not go not it. the alliteration, but the uh, the same sounding words. I guess that's a. I feel like we're playing horseshoes because I'm picking up what you're putting yes. down. Yes, there you go. Um, so gonna talk a little bit more March Madness. Certainly gonna get into the NFL next because there's a lot of NFL stuff to talk about. A couple of big high-profile retirements. And uh, where in the world will some players go? We may have to do a little extra reenactment of that in terms of quarterbacks especially. All of that coming up in segment three surrounding the NFL. And then we also have Olympics and uh, our Super Bowl picks. And a bit more to talk about as the show continues right after this time out. There are no words to describe it. 
the isolation, the boredom, the loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the South Carolina High School League and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. Welcome back into the Marcus Walsh Show on this Saturday afternoon. Beautiful day indeed, and time to talk a little National Football League as we get ready. The Pro Bowl is tomorrow. The Super Bowl is a week from tomorrow, and we will dive into the Super Bowl uh, coming up here in just a little while. But before that, it's the annual event and our favorite game show here on the Marcus Wall Show of Where in the World is Everybody Going? I, yeah. Yeah. I we're not we're not just we're not just talking Aaron Rodgers. We're talking literally everybody, especially within the uh, position of quarterback, which is certainly the most important position on offense, if not the most important position on the football field. A lot of big names making moves to uh, possibly different places, including two of those huge names, calling it a career. And, of course, I'm talking about Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady. I want to start off with those guys. Ben Roethlisberger was, as, as much as everybody talks about Tom Brady and how great he was, and arguably, if not, the best quarterback to ever play the game, Ben Roethlisberger was truly a quarterback that was so unique because in his prime, he had everything. He was built like a freaking bulldozer, and he could run and make plays, scamper out of the pocket. He had a great arm. He literally had it all from a physical standpoint and he really made it work a lot of years there in Pittsburgh I think he hung on a little bit too long but it's it's hard to let go I certainly understand that um talk about what you've seen and certainly being a fan of one of the arch nemesises of the Pittsburgh Steelers he was he was truly one of a kind and he had some moments with, with teammates and coaches, but it seemed like everybody, for the most part, really enjoyed playing with him and everybody coaching him. You're transitioning me to Tommy? Are we still fo- focusing no, on No, we're ben? Still, still focusing on Ben. Okay, just making sure. I got some thoughts I, on I will him. get to Brady in a second. I know, I get excited. <laughs> Big Ben, I remember he was young. Um, Tomlin, I'm trying to remember if Cowher had Ben. I don't think he did, right? Um, I think Cowher had like think, Neil O'Donnell, 
And then, I'm sorry for guessing on this. Anywho, Big Ben. I remember how young he was playing in front of a big defense. I'm going to continue on. I'm going to look it up. I think Cowher did have Ben. At the beginning, for like one year. Yeah. I think I think Cowher's last Super Bowl was the, Ben's. The Super Bowl year against right. Seattle. Yeah, that's how I remember it too. One, one in Detroit, which was the hometown of one Jerome Bettis in his final year. The bus. Yes. I loved that. Like, I mean, the bus was. Al, I'm, I'm doing this for my buddy Matt Brubaker, Al Michaels, <laughs> John Madden, Melissa Starks. I think even Eric Dickerson was there to call that one as well. Wow. What a mind. ABC. Ben was a lot of fun because he was like watching Brett Favre. With a lot of size, he had that gunslinger maverick style to him. Uh, and they always said, how does Pittsburgh get these receivers? They must have just be drafting the best receivers. Don't get me wrong, they drafted some great receivers. But it's because what they did up in Pittsburgh was play a lot of backyard football. Big Ben could win in weather. Um, he had a great offensive line in front of him for most of his career there. It's, not to, you know, it's definitely a team game. Um, Chuck Knoll was a great footballer, and he built a game in – you know, the, the, with that family up there in Pittsburgh, that's pretty special in terms of how they've done it for a long time. You said three coaches, right? And certainly my reckoning of of what Pittsburgh since the Steel Pitts- Curtain has been. Pittsburgh Steeler football in their history, three coaches, not the last thirty years, in their entire football history, three coaches. Incredible. What was Bill Cowers last year? 2006-7, so he had Ben for two years. Ben's rookie year is when they, uh, or rather, he may have even had him for three years. Um, but in between there, 05-06 is when they uh, ended up going to the Super Bowl against Seattle. But again, 06-07, final year for Cowher. We were staring at Pat Mahomes' contract, thinking about players like Lamar Jackson. If this kid actually decides he wants to become a free agent and play through 2023 and then opt out like Tommy did, or, you know, it's very unusual for a quarterback to wind up in the free agent market. Like, you know, I think of Andrew Luck and Indy or Joe Montana, obviously Brady. There's just not that many times it happens. Um, Entire teams structuring themselves around that quarterback position and the money. I also want to get over to leave time for Mr. Brady, so tell me more. Well, certainly uh, go go into Tom as I look up some numbers on, on Ben. Tommy, he's, he's your boy. Tommy's my guy. I mean, he, there, he had an entire career before Ben even came in the league. Um, those early years with Tommy were super fun. I was a big Bledsoe guy. I had a Bledsoe jersey. It was a prized possession. Tommy did things unlike anyone else we've ever seen them. You know, Belichick was that core, you know, that that coach that would tell his quarterback, don't, you know, don't lose that ball. Uh, your offense was there to, you know, grind the clock, not there to score. And Tommy ran that West Coast offense. Um, early Tommy was very conservative. Mid Tommy was extremely aggressive. The 07 team. Uh, and, and then the last era of Tommy was, I, you can even say he had two third acts when he had the, the, the last of his wins in, in New England. And then um, what a cap off he had in Tampa. Uh, he's always Tommy to me. He's great. He's the greatest. Absolutely. Um, ben Roethlisberger played for Bill Cower for three seasons, 0405, 6 which was the Super Bowl year against Seattle, and then 0607. Um, so 
Cower got to see Ben at his very early peak and uh, certainly saw a lot. But talking about he and Tom Brady, two, two very different style quarterbacks. I thought that in terms of the Peyton Manning-Tom Brady comparison, which goes back, you know, before Ben started in the league, obviously Brady was the more physical quarterback, the more athletic quarterback. Manning had the better mind, in my opinion, even even into Tom's later years. Peyton Manning's mind just, whew. But Ben Roethlisberger, still more physical, more uh, athletic than, than those two guys. Um, but I, I tell you what, a great career. Oh, I'm just thinking of this now. My dad saw something on Twitter yesterday. So uh, thanks to my dad for putting in a little bit of stuff that's going to get into the show today. I have a trivia question about your boy. Tommy? Yeah. How many teams... Did Tom Brady go under 500 against? How many teams against which did Tommy have a losing record? Correct. In his career. None in the division. Who would have surprised us? All right. I'm gonna, how many, can you give me a total number of teams and I'll guess which ones they are? Or do you want me to just guess how many? Just out of, out of every team in the league... Throughout his entire career, that Tom Brady faced, and he faced everybody, obviously. Mm-hmm. How many times did uh, how how many franchises? How many franchises had an above five hundred record against Tom Brady? How many how many times did Tom Brady have a below five hundred record against a franchise? My heart wants to say zero, but then I also want to not get yelled at by a Giants fan. It's like, no, we won one more when you count the playoffs. So I'm going to say zero. You'd be correct. He had a 500 or better record against everybody that he played against. And that Giants in the Super Bowls. And that was everybody overall against the Giants. Counting those Super Bowl win or the Super Bowl losses, he was six and three against the Giants. Yeah, but we have in those preseason games and they were amazing. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he was ten and zero against the Falcons. Should have been nine and one. He was thirty one and eight against the New York Football Jets. Against the Buffalo Bills. 33 and 3 24 and 12 against the Miami Dolphins and that was by far the most losses he had against anybody was Miami only faced San Francisco 3 times went 2 and 1 5 and 4 versus the Rams 8 and 4 against Baltimore one and one against the Cardinals. Only faced them twice. Unbelievable. Um, twelve and three against Pittsburgh. Sixteen and four against Indy. Ten and two against the Chargers. I mean, 
Good Lord. Against the Browns, 7-1. and one. Just against the Eagles, 7-2, and two, including a Super Bowl loss. But he also beat them in a Super Bowl. There it is. Um, just incredible, and I could go on. I'm, I'm going to end up retweeting or uh, sending that back out because that's just a crazy stat. Just, it, it boggles the mind. My favorite Tommy fun fact, uh, if you follow him on social media, uh, occasionally what would make it out was that picture of him <clears throat> Halloween when he was a kid. He had a really sick Joe Montana jersey and hat, the, uh, the helmet rather, it looked just like Joe Montana. At the end of his career, when Steve Young took Joe Montana's job, Joe Montana went to Kansas City to try to win a Super Bowl, and I believe he made it to the AFC Championship game. I loved watching Joe, you know, Joe Montana in the end of his career. That's what Brady wanted to be. And what did Brady do? He went to the Bucks. He beat that Chiefs organization. And he actually did what, what Joe tried to do. And I think it's in a remarkable way that closed out a career. Without question. Who is going to be that next Niners quarterback? You think it's Jimmy G? No, because of the way everyone's reacting to it. But I don't know much. Uh, it's a great gig. I mean, San Francisco's quarterback position, you're in the Bay. It's lots of money. It's in California. I, I don't think it's going to be Jimmy. If you were Aaron Rodgers, would you prefer that to Denver? I think I would actually maybe even prefer Denver a little bit. Taking the whole, I'm from California originally, I grew up a 49ers fan, taking his bias out of it, I think Denver might be a tad bit better of a situation. Call me crazy, but I just think that. Well, we were talking about how Lamar might actually be going to play out his contract so he can choose where he wants to go. You know who can't choose where he wants to go? Because he's under contract? That would be... Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Would you ever trade him to the San Francisco 49ers if you're the Green Bay Packers? Are you kidding me? No. You, I mean, they would come for you with spikes. It's it's true. I, I could see, I could I could maybe see if they are gonna deal him. If if something does happen, I go back to this Pittsburgh thing. I could see Aaron Rodgers suiting up in the black and gold, taking over for Big Ben. They both can play well in cold weather and what I again call backyard football where you run around a little bit and you throw the ball to who's open. Russell Wilson I could see in, uh, in Pittsburgh as well. There, were, there was a time where I could see him in Miami. I don't know about that as much anymore. Um, the New York Giants are going to need some possible swirling of winds up there in the northeast swirling winds of change um it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with with some of these guys and and some of the teams that really could be looking for new situations at quarterback a lot of crazy stuff going on especially with the uh kind of political stance that i know you wanted to get into in terms of uh what's going on with the nfl I think it's hard to do a show that covers football and not at least mention what's going on with Brian Flores and um, another coach joins him in class action. But it, it's, you know, it's the NFL, it's the National Football League, and you have to live in reality. And the reality is that Brian Flores might have a very serious point. And you're going to hope for a good process, a due process, that gets that point out where appropriate. I don't think we're going to get that necessarily. 
um, because the way antitrust laws work is that uh, the NFL is not like a publicly traded organization where you're going to have a certain expectation for um, preservation of uh, the interest of the employee here. I think that Roger Goodell will preserve the interest of the owners. Uh, he is the judge, effectively, and so he will um, judge what he thinks is in the interest of the ownership. And in the same way that, yeah, that's how Goodell's acted in the past. I think that's how he'll act in this instance, too. There's also still the standoff going on. It's a completely different set of issues and whatnot, but there's still the standoff going on in Major League Baseball as well that who knows when a Major League Baseball season is going to start because the Players Association and the players themselves and, you know, the owners and all of it, they can't agree on on things. So going to be interesting to see when we and again it's an aside but it's going to be interesting to see when we can get this MLB stuff into this year sorted out been a long time I, I hate to say it but it's true that it's been a long time since there was a strike each passing day every passing day it looks like we might be heading down that road unfortunately in World War II when we were designing grenades we designed them in the shape of a baseball because every American boy knew how to throw a, throw a baseball. Boxing was probably the most popular sport at that time. Back then, yeah. But baseball was how they shaped those grenades. Football is America's most popular sport right now. And has been for some time. Kids are playing a lot of European football out there. The times, they are changing the world... Is, is a changing with it, and the winds are a swirling and changing as well from east coast to west, west coast to east. Roger Goodell could have done so much. In the same way that Major League Baseball doesn't have to run their playoff games at 10 o'clock east coast time so that the kid can never watch playoffs, you, we grew up with Bob Costas calling games on NBC in prime time, and no, this generation didn't get that, and that's a big part of the sport experience. Uh, football, Roger Goodell, you could have made a stance against domestic violence. You could have made a giant statement uh, in terms of concussions and created you know, platforms for athletes to have um, discussions about how mental health is physical health and your brain's a muscle, and it's all part of what it takes to be a, a leader and an athlete. But no, we've ignored these things and suppressed all this information for the interest of profiteering uh, and, you know, you put Tom Brady into a spectacle situation because he smashed a cell phone you tried to watch because, his, first of all, his wife's a supermodel. You're a creep. And the idea that you're the judge and jury in this ridiculous arrangement of antitrust where you're not actually a public trade organization where you have a board that can properly litigate these things, it just creates this uh, situation where Brian Flores is going against 30 people who are the owners, all of which who are majority-owned or specifically just white dudes, um, the NFL has a great opportunity to move this sport towards a reflection of the country that celebrates it, or at least the three-quarters of its workforce. And um, I do not expect, based on my experience studying Raj Goodell, that he will do anything that furthers the interest of the NFL being appreciated by the next generation. So uh, bring on Ted Lasso and European soccer, and um, this will be part of the death kiss of football, the same way that Rob Manfred is perpetuating what's been the death knell of baseball you know, these past couple decades. Very well said. With that, um, I noticed earlier during our break between the last segment and this one 
that I still am not sure when or if they're going to come out with the top 16 teams overall in preparation for March Madness to do kind of a mock March Madness uh, rundown. Typically, it's a big uh, production that CBS does every year before their set games on a Saturday. It's right around the corner, so... If they do it, it would probably be within the next week. I haven't heard that they've done it already, so look out for that as to who might be the top 16 teams and the top four seeds, as it were, at this moment, maybe sometime next week. When we come back, we're going to keep the the heavy topics going a little bit with the Olympics. They are currently underway. I watched some of the uh, opening ceremonies last night, so certainly want to react to that. And then we've got a Super Bowl game to pick and analyze with the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals bring on the steaks from L.A., anything else that they love to eat out in L.A., enchiladas, and Cincinnati, it's all about the chili. Love me some Cincinnati chili. Had some turkey chili last week. It helped the Bengals win. Um, So we'll talk about the game as well. Still plenty to get to as segment four starts. Next on The Marcus Walsh Show. The music you hear on The Marcus Walsh Show is provided courtesy of TBMM Productions, Tyler Brown Multimedia, for all things low country. Dial 843-715-1935. Back to the show. Welcome back into The Marcus Walsh Show. Talking a little bit of Forrest Gump, boy. Off of, off of the air. What a, what a great movie Forrest Gump is. Talking the Olympics and talking the Super Bowl. To wrap up the show, um, watched some of the opening ceremonies last night up until about 10 o'clock. And what a nice job that the country did in terms of making it a very artistic production really well done with the the movie theater type atmosphere um just beautiful beautiful colors used used in what they were doing uh going from 24 down to one in terms of everything that goes on throughout the typical year in terms of the weather patterns and whatnot getting the renewal of spring because of the fact that this is the chinese new year that is currently underway, starting in in February, and really getting a a size of a, or not a size, but a, a look at the variety of of their culture through the seasons that they have, and being that it's leading into this this season of time that they're hosting the Olympics again, obviously a lot of swirling issues going on from the standpoint of politics and whatnot in, in China. Um, but they, they came out as a strong unified front unveiling their flag yesterday and uh, was, was a very nice presentation for sure for that. And then, of course, seeing the countries. And I, I watched, again, up until about 10 o'clock last night from 8 to 10 and uh, got to see a plethora of the countries come out, including the USA, and uh, watched up until Ireland for sure, and then maybe even one past that, and then ended up heading to bed. But we've already seen some interesting things in the first couple of days. 
the the women's hockey team off to a pretty good start. Watched a, a little bit of of action, a very little bit, but a little bit with the uh, skiing and uh, seeing a little bit of curling footage as well. And the fact of the matter is, and we talked about this earlier, Kevin, off the air, with NBC having the Super Bowl and the Olympics. They traded the Super Bowl a few years ago with CBS. So the fact that they could have the Olympics and the Super Bowl at the same time, it's going to be a lot of flying back and forth for Mike Tirico, who is in Beijing for the next few days, and then he's going to be heading to L.A. to host the Super Bowl and uh, certainly have have a lot of stuff with that going on um, in terms of just how big the conglomerate of the national broadcasting company will be with everybody in Connecticut and in Beijing covering the Olympics, and then L.A. going to be putting on the production of the Super Bowl. And I should say, I'm not sure if Mike Tirico is going to be traveling from Beijing to L.A. I'm not 100% positive of that. He could do that remotely, um, being that it's a huge venue and um, they're in Beijing. And he may have to because of the fact that they are in the pods and portals in a few different areas with, uh, with everything going on virus-wise. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but the, the performance and, and just the presentation of the opening ceremonies was very cool yesterday that I got to see. And a couple of very good representatives uh, from Ocala, Florida, and, and the guy um, that helped out certainly holding the flag and, and carrying the flag out for the U.S., I believe was from uh, from the Midwest, um, but it was it was certainly very cool to see that really for the for the first time in a long time, and the spectacle of of it being back there in China, and there there have been some great moments. Brittany Bow is from Florida. Um, John Schuster was the uh, the other bearer of the flag at the start of the Olympics. And uh, also a curler was John Schuster in his days in the Olympics. But certainly going back to, to certainly when times were different, but Michael Phelps had the great career that he did. 2008 was a huge year for him in Beijing. Obviously, folks that were able to see that. I was in college at the time, as were you, I think, right? Yes. In, in 2008. You're a few years older than I, so you were probably around your senior year I in remember the Beijing Olympics is the one where they had the beautiful dancing. Yes. Yeah. And, and so it was, it was a little bit of a, a different go of it with more of a theatrical theatrical spin to the opening ceremonies but yeah i like that you'll, vivid beauty yeah, and it was it. just the artistic mm-hmm. factor very very cool um and the union uh the united front very very good to see on on tv and and everybody uh made it a very good event to uh to partake a couple hours of being that it was the opening ceremonies and uh very very good stuff indeed what what has been your favorite event? Are you a Winter Olympics guy with 
certain events that you you like to see just every four years? I don't. I, I did do track and fields in the, the old high school. Uh, I liked Carl Lewis a lot as a kid in the Atlanta games. He was kind of my, my go-to guy. Um, just because he had to, to like Carl Lewis meant you got to watch all of his old performances in, since 84, basically. Those were his highlights coming in for, to his performance. Right. Similarly with, like, Shannon Miller, who was a uh, women's gymnast. Uh, in terms of the most competitive or the things I like to watch, Sprinter, probably the most fun to watch, Sprinting. Um, Usain Bolt was a, is a world figure because of that. Yes, indeed. So it sounds like you're more of a summer guy. As yeah, swimming. Compared. Michael Phelps was the most exciting athlete I think I've ever seen at the Olympic Games. Oh, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. And that's saying something because we've had some great basketball players over the years, too. The 92 Dream Team is something that hasn't been replicated by basketball as a sport. I don't think it's going to. Well. It could. Build me a new Jordan and then we'll talk. Yeah, right. I I don't like that it's in China. You're right. It can't escape the political moment. The same thing with when it was in Russia. Uh, You know. You see, I like that you appreciate about the moment, and it is indeed a moment, is the artisanal performance. You are a singer. You like the art. What I don't the like, art, the art and humanity certainly helps the the situation. China has the world's finest choreographers, but as a nation state, does not admit gay people are out there. There's a lot more things you can challenge in China beyond uh, that cultural touch point, but because human rights is really what matters, and that's you know, um, it the Olympics matter. Jesse Owens winning gold in front of Hitler really mattered on the world stage. So I celebrate the athletes who perform to the best of their ability and purity for the love of the sport because the sport is what ideally creates what brings us together. And I hope what your experience was experiencing the art is something that made you feel like we're all in this one life that we are so unique and blessed and beautifully lucky to share. Because that's what I always felt, at least watching the games, mostly on NBC as a kid, um, they preempt my late night shows. You know how I like my late That's night shows. That's right. Yes. Uh, but Bob Costas teaching me about the Olympics was a little bit, you know, it wasn't Leno's monologue, or it certainly wasn't Letterman. Right. But, uh, you know, I get Letterman in and I watch a little Olympics and then back to Conan. Anywho, <laughs> Olympics are really fun. It makes us feel united and as one. Not just as a country, we are supposed to see ourselves as like the beautiful athletes that you see in other people's uniforms. You should see yourself in them too. It's it's definitely a swirling wind of change as as I've gone back kind of as my thesis of of this show but things so far looking uh, looking good on on all fronts with this year's edition of the Olympics. There's another event next week talking about swirling winds of change. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon and uh the Cincinnati Bengals. I was trying to think of another Joe, but I couldn't. Deisman? The 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 one Joe that I think of that's closely related to Chile when we're talking of Cincinnati is Sloppy Joe. Um, oh, I know him well. I know him well too. I'm a fan. Extra sloppies for you. Yeah, like the sloppy Joe. Sloppies. Extra sloppy. So, Cincinnati. Have you ever had Cincinnati chili? Sky, Skyline or wherever I, I else? I had it once, and it was at an Ohio bar on the island, yes. At Mangiamo's. 
No, it's it? not where I had it, but tell where, me. Where, where did you? Mangiamo's is the pizza bar on the island, the Ohio State bar. Yeah, they have a John Havlicek jersey in there. I love it. Um, their, pe- their pizza's off the chain. Tremendous. You knew we were going to talk about food, didn't you? No, especially when you get to the island. That's right. It's the one that's next to the North End Poorhouse, uh, which is the Irish bar where I could watch the pets. Oh, oh, of of course. Um, uh, street meat. Street meat. Yeah. yeah, that's where I had it. Where where we have been. We sure have. Um, that's that's right. You did you did get a, a chili there. I did, that's, and we made a lot of Adam right. Sandler movie references. That's that's right. We it's did. You also had chicken wings on that burger. I had as I much thought, protein and how fat. on earth could you? I went to college wow. for, for economics, and one yep. of the things I will do in a time when – I don't know if I always do this. I sure hope it's not a habit. Uh, in that case, it was how many calories can I get per dollar? Let's go for it. <laughs> how many calories can I get per dollar? Yes. Wait. So if the burger comes with a chicken wing, then I can just like take it off and eat it, and I have a burger and a wing? Let's do it. That's right. I'll scarf down that bone. And I actually got, I got their chili on those hot dogs that day. So good. The the deep fried Oreos too. Off off the hook. Um so back to the football game, as it were. The LA Rams as well have some guys on the outside that can make plays. Got Matthew Stafford, who's a, a rugged, been there, done that kind of guy. Got some good running backs. And Sean McVay, who's the young coach going up against Zach Taylor, who's also very young. And I think it's going to come down to a big play here or there. I look for defense to be a big factor of why I think the Rams are going to win this football game. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is in a very good situation. I really think that L.A. just is a little bit better. They've got the home field advantage as well. I look for them to get an early start and then Cincinnati to come back. And whether it's a Matt Gay field goal or a late touchdown to take the lead, right now the line's set at four. I think Cincinnati has a chance to tie it towards the end, but it's going to go the way of the Rams by three. Take the points. I like the Rams by three. I'll give a score prediction, 30-27. to 27. And the MVP... I got as as much as I want to go with, you know, Von Miller or certainly um, Aaron Donald and Odell Beckham Jr. I'm giving the MVP to Matthew Stafford and uh, a 30-27 win. I think this has a chance to be a great game. Congratulations to the city of Cincinnati. Eat all the chili dogs and chili burgers and chili with milkshakes and All that stuff, chili cheese fries, enjoy it. It's going to be great. It's still a week away, um, but it's going to be great. L.A.'s been there, and that's part of the reason why I think they have a little bit of the extra advantage, plus home field. And I think they just have a little bit more talent on uh, both sides of the ball. I think this has a chance to be a dandy Super Bowl. Again, congrats to Cincinnati because I had them pegged for the bottom of the division. As, as you folks will uh, recall, I actually had them in third. I had them finishing ahead of Pittsburgh preseason. What a remarkable story. And Cincinnati could be a team that's rivaling all the other teams in that division. Based on how things go with the draft, free agency, etc. As the new, yearly, the new league year starts in the middle of March. 
going to be fun, but I like uh, I like the Rams, 30-27. Great game I think we're going to see. Marcus, earlier in the broadcast, you alluded to early years of Brady Manning, and you said Manning had the brain. And when you say that, what I think mostly about is the pre-snap. So before the ball is snapped, you're doing your matchups, you're calling out if someone you think is going to blitz you, who's going to block them. You're communicating with your center. So when I talk about that, what I'm, what I'm really saying is quarterback play and, and knowledge around that is what's going to be the difference. And if you're Joe Burrow and you're setting up and you've got one edge where you've got Von Miller coming at you and then you have another edge where Aaron Donald's coming at you and your best receiver is being covered by Jalen Ramsey, you're going to have to make a choice. And it's probably going to be going through a second-tier player. And so do you rely on Joe Burrow playing through his tight ends going upfield, or do you do you rely on Matt Stafford, the kid is a dog out of Georgia, and the dogs are having their day right now, throwing Odell Beckham Jr. with a nice big fat line in front of him. I like Andrew Whitworth quite a bit, the left tackle. That's a that's a very good mention, too. He's darn good. So they just have a lot of talent, like you said, Marcus, but I don't trust their coach, and so I don't think that it's going to be a lockstep game where um, – just like we come out with attitude and lock it down. It's not going to be a game coached by Mike Martz. With, you know, Mike Martz was a guy who did not necessarily seem like the coolest bro on the planet, but he led Isaac Bruce into a place where they were the greatest show on turf in that attitude play. Um, what I'm trying to get at is they're not going to come out and stamp him with attitude and put him away. It's going to be a tight game because coaching is going to let it be that way. And Joe Burra is real. He is, he's always been a Buckeye. That's for sure, and and he's going to be something special to watch down the line. Can I get a, a score prediction out of you? I think it's going to be tighter than people realize. I'm going to go 18, with a weird number, 18-16. So you say very tight, even tighter than me with three points, and you say defenses will rule the day. 18-16 from Kevin in favor of? Still the Rams, but I want the under the on points. I want Rams and under. And I've got the Rams and under as well, but quite a few more points. 18-16 Rams for Kev. 30-27 Rams for yours truly. And uh, enjoy it. It's going to be great. This has been quite the show. Congratulations to Ron Tolbert, who's going to be working his first Super Bowl as the referee for uh, for that one. Congrats to everybody at NBC. Going to have a wild couple of weeks with the Olympics and then the Super Bowl. And uh, thanks to you all for listening, certainly. Thanks to Tyler Brown for spinning the tunes. And uh, and we enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it as well. This has been this edition of the Marcus Wall Show. We'll see you soon. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the Olympics, the Super Bowl. And we'll be back with another edition here shortly. For Kevin, I'm Marcus. For Tyler as well. So long, everybody. Baby, we can do it. Take your time. Do it right. We can do it, baby. Do it tonight. Baby, we can do it, take your time, do it right, we can do it, baby, do it tonight. Shawty said you wanna get down, Shawty said I'll do it right now. Like the way I do it, baby, let it to it, then it says you like that sound. All you wanna do it, let go, I'm in the
in shotting mode. Know my feng shui gold. Come on, girl, come at them clothes. Can't do it like me, do it like me. Can't groove it like me, groove it like me. Can't do it like this, do it like this. When it comes to saute, work all in the wrist. Might get grown, man, it's y'all on the bitch. Make me sound good, all things go to Chris. I can't end up.